Welcome to the Poultry Health Today podcast, where we talk all health, all the time. Hear engaging interviews with today's leading industry experts. Hosted by Poultry Health Today editors, podcast episodes highlight the latest ideas, insights, and advice to improve poultry health, welfare, performance, and food safety. Hi, my name is Caroline Stocks, Managing Editor of Poultry Health Today, and with me is Brian Jordan, who's an Associate Professor at the University of Georgia. Brian, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, nearly all commercial uh, poultry producers use uh, vaccination against uh, infectious bronchitis virus, Um, but disease breaks can still occur from time to time. What's our understanding about why these, these breaks do sometimes happen? So there's a a few different reasons why disease break could happen, even in a vaccinated flock. Um, It could be that the vaccines that were used were not a good match to the challenge virus that's been circulating in the field and that ultimately got into the flock. Um, And we do see that from time to time as new variants arise with bronchitis virus. Uh, Another reason could be that the vaccination process itself was not done uh, very well. And so you will get a roll of um, the vaccine that was given where it continues to replicate and cycle through a flock, which can sometimes cause disease in and of itself if that reaction is not mitigated. Uh, And then sometimes you have vaccination processes that just go so awry that the birds actually don't get vaccinated at all. And in that case, any virus that was out there that had a little bit of pathogenicity to it could come in and cause disease. So how can the vaccination process go so wrong? Well, there are a few different ways. We are vaccinating a lot of chicks, particularly talking about hatchery vaccination at one time. You know, an average hatchery in the U.S. processes, uh, you know, anywhere from 200 to 300,000 chicks in a day. And we're vaccinating those chicks en masse, meaning we're, you know, 100 at a time in a basket, usually by some sort of spray mechanism. And so there are places within both the vaccination equipment where errors can occur, but also in the vaccine mixing, handling, and processing. And even sometimes just something as simple as calculating the dose um, can go awry. So there are a few steps within the hatchery process that we typically tend to look, one of those being vaccine handling. So following your vaccines, getting them mixed properly at the correct dose with the correct diluent. And then focusing on the actual spray cabinet itself, looking at the different mechanisms, the syringes, uh, the nozzles, the droplet size being created, the distance from the nozzles to the cabinet, air movement, temperature, all things like that. So how exactly then can operations um, check whether a vaccine is, is working properly? So there are a couple different ways uh, you can check. You can spot check what you're doing in the hatchery by using thermal imaging technology to actually watch your chicks get vaccinated. You can use plexiglass to evaluate the spray pattern to to give you a pretty good idea that you're doing the application part correctly. But ultimately to know, you have to go in and ask the birds. And what we like to do is uh, recommend going in and taking swabs, or if you're willing to euthanize and sacrifice a few birds to, for the test, um, just pulling the whole trachea and running PCR seven days post-vaccination. With the te- technology advancements we have with real-time PCR, we can go look specifically for the vaccines, for the serotypes that the birds were given, and we can evaluate how many of the birds actually receive vaccine and at what level the birds got the vaccine, um, which can give us a lot of information about how well the vaccination process went. So how exactly does the, the real-time PCR process work? So we would take either the swab or the trachea, we would extract RNA from the sample, 
And then we have primers and probes in our real-time assay that will target a mass serotype or a Georgia 08 or a Georgia 98 or, or whatever vaccine type you may use. And it will give us a CT value. And the CT value can roughly be correlated to a viral load. So we have two sets of information that we'll get out of that. We'll get either a positive or negative, either the sample had bronchitis RNA in it or it did not. And then at what level the sample had um, RNA. So that CT value will give us that indicator of there was a lot of viral RNA present in the sample, which would indicate a good vaccine take versus a high CT value, which actually means not very much viral RNA. They're inversely proportional, which would indicate a poor vaccine take. So how many of these tests would you, would you tend to do per flock and how often would you carry out this kind of testing? So normally we like to take 15 samples per sample set. And so that sample set can be one house on a farm. It can be multiple houses on a farm, um, but we like to take 15 samples per set. And then we can do up to six sets per PCR plate. That's the most efficient way for us to run these samples in the lab. So that's 90 samples total. Typically what producers will do is they will take uh, samples from one house on six different farms. And so we get six different take sets. Um, we can run all those samples at once. And what do the results tend to show? Right. So the results can vary. We can have a situation where both vaccines had a good take. The, all the samples are positive or, you know, greater than 90% of the samples are positive. The average CT value is where it's expected, you know, in the, the 20 range in the upper to mid to upper 20s. Sometimes we'll have one virus take really well and one not take very well. And typically when we see a pattern like that, we can actually break that down into vaccine handling because oftentimes the vaccine that had a good take will be a lyophilized freeze-dried product where all you have to do is add diluent to the cake in the vial and then dilute it out to the, to the correct dose. Whereas the vaccine that did not take very well is a frozen product that's stored in liquid nitrogen. So the first step is thawing it. And a lot of times that thawing step can be a point where um, we actually kill some of our vaccine in the process. And then sometimes we see a situation where both vaccine takes are just poor. And that usually indicates, you know, there's a problem with the equipment, with the machinery, the syringes aren't functioning right. Maybe the application volume is too small. The nozzles are too small in the cabinet, you're creating small droplets, something like that. So if you had a, a top tip for um, for facilities that are trying to get the best from this vaccine, do you think it's it's more important to look at the, the processes or do you think this, this real-time PCR testing is, is what's really important? I would say that they're both important, but when you're looking at processes, you don't have the same uh, data coming back to you, right? It's just a visual examination when you're using the thermal imaging, let's say, or the plexiglass to look at your, your spray pattern and droplet distribution. Um, there's not any, any variable information that you can get in return. You know, it, so doing the PCR actually gives you data to show you definitively whether the chicks were exposed to the vaccine or not. So I would say if you've never done a vaccine take sampling in a particular location coming from a hatchery, doing the real-time PCR would be the place to start because that will tell you what your normal everyday operation, uh, what the baseline is. Then once we see the results of that, we can go back and start making those adjustments if need be, or if the vaccine takes look great, then you can continue on with just some of those in-house management processes to continue to make sure that you're doing it the same way. Thanks for listening to the Poultry Health Today podcast. 
To get the latest news and interviews delivered to your inbox twice a week, subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting poultryhealthtoday.com join.